0: Hello, my name is Matt Barker. I'm the Features Editor of Campaign. Each day this week, we're going to be looking back at some of the best campaign podcasts over the past year. Today, we're going back to July in those hazy summer days of Barbenheimer when I met with Yuanda Okonkoya from Craft Media, Tom Linnae from Digital Cinema Media, and Tom Gidden, Managing Director from Joan Creative, to chat all things Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'm joined today by Yuanda Okonkoya, who's a Managing Partner at Craft Media. Tom Linney, who's content business director at Digital Cinema Media, and Tom Guyton, managing director at Joan Creative. Um, I've got to ask, has anyone actually seen these films? I haven't yet. No? Uh -uh.
1: I also have... (laughs) (laughs) Well, true, yeah. (laughs) And I also haven't. I I mean, I have a toddler, so the fact of going to see two movies in one weekend is from a past (laughs) life, I will say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm booked in for IMAX next week. Ooh, nice! For for Oppenheimer and then Barbie the day after. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> is is that the big IMAX at the South Bank or is it the,
2: uh, Cineworld? Uh, yeah, IMAX Leicester Square. Fabulous.
0: Okay, so uh, happy listeners, there will be no spoiler alerts here because uh, <laughs> no one's actually no one's actually seen it. Um, I wanted to talk about basically the way brands have been behaving around this, but but also um sort of pick out a few kind of uh, on ongoing um, interesting kind of um. Patterns that've been emerging, I guess. Um, so, Tomlin, I, I thought I could could possibly start with you. I mean, advertisers have been—it's it, kind of hit us recently. All this, hasn't it? But it's been going on for quite a few months, hasn't it? Advertisers have been quite prepared for this, I guess, pretty much since the start of the year, basically, haven't they?
2: Yeah. Well, we realised that something quite special was happening because we sold all three premium spots in barbie before christmas mm-hmm. so the week before the first trailer came out the first trailer came out i think and was running with avatar the way of water which came out uh, on the 16th of december and we sold all three of our premium spots the week before that and that very rarely happens in fact i can't even recall when that last happened apart from maybe for a james bond film so uh, advertiser interest in this film was high from the get-go and also i think that that advertisers realized that something you know unique was happening with this with the Barbie particularly and then as we got closer to release date uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of people in the industry were expecting one of the two for, films to move release date you know even up to a few months out but when it became clear that they were both staying put and then barbenheimer itself was co- coined i think uh interest and excitement just ramped up even further
0: it is fascinating what's been happening because it, it, it you, you know the whole barbenheimer phenomenon has, has, has basically been created via social media hasn't it but i think probably both both parties of sort of both both film production companies or, or the distributors have, have kind of embraced it readily haven't they um tom Tom guy. So he's going to be confusing with the two <laughs> Toms, isn't it? And, uh, uh, yeah, I
1: know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it sort of started from meme culture. Uh, this idea of Barbenheimer started on social media, and I think, um, I think to Tom the other Tom's point, I think people sort of expected everyone to move one of the the films. But I think what happened was this beautiful sort of magic where um, production companies sort of leaned in, and I think advertisers did as well, and they sort of said, you know, if if this is what the people want, let's give it to them. So I think. You know, people sort of leaned in a little bit further, and I think what was lovely is it was it was an authentic thing because it was created by the people. Um, so to sort of lean in and give them a bit more, and to really focus on that and that story of these two films, and and not only competing but sort of creating this weird film community um, and celebrating that they were on the same day became something special.
0: Mm. It, it's been fascinating because you wonder because it basically. It feels very clever. It kind of taps into this online fan culture and it all feels quite conceptual, dare I say it, you know, especially when you look at Barbie with the merchandising, because as far as I'm aware, there's not been a lot of Oppenheimer merchandising done just <laughs> yet. But, seen. No, um, no, I mean, no. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the house on Airbnb and, and the, the, I think it's the Krispy Cream Donuts, isn't it? And stuff like that. It, it, there's something clever about it, isn't there?
3: Definitely. And I think, you know, you've got to give it to the Barbie marketing team because Barbie as a film, I think, was always going to do well. And Tom just saying how well it sold, uh, the gold spots sold even that far out. So it was already going to be a successful film. But what I think they did so well was to turn kind of the marketing model on its head. We talk about like 70, 20, 10, in terms of how you tend to execute 70 being tried and tested, 20 being 20% being a bit of innovation within a known format and 10 being innovative. And I think what they did is they flipped it. I feel like the, the partnerships and the merchandising has been the thing that's been so special about the release. And I think that's what's really kind of embedded it in culture. Because you said it, Xboxes right through to like Airbnb. So it's not even the conventional hair and beauty and fashion partnerships you expect to see. I think it's that that's made it unmissable because... I, we had to seek out the trailer mm. almost even, but mm. it's the other stuff that's become so unmissable. I think that's then fueled the meme culture. So I really give it to them to turning that on its head and really creating a, a fantastic and commercially successful <laughs> model for um,
0: promoting a film. Do you think it'll be a template? For for things to sort of come, or?
3: you know, I think these types of things take great amounts of commitment and a lot of hard work. This would have been years in the making in terms of securing those deals, look and feel. So I feel like it's definitely going to inspire people. It's those that actually have the the commitment, mm-hmm. I think, and and the guts to um to see it through.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, Tom Lilley, do, do you feel you mentioned Oppenheimer then, and and obviously we're kind of skewing a bit Barbie esque here. Did you do you feel a bit kind of Sorry for, for for the guys behind Oppenheimer because basically they're always going to be the second half of this this sort of you know this phenomenon that's happening. It's it's a very serious film. It's it's a very well received film, and and you know possibly an, an Oscar um, contender. But will will history sort of look back on this in in ten years time, twenty years time, and think okay, yeah, that that's that was one half of Barbenheimer.
2: Absolutely not. I think Universal will be absolutely delighted. I mean, for the last few months. It's rare that Oppenheimer hasn't been spoken about in the same sentence as Barbie. And that is, they're riding on the coattails of Barbie, clearly. And what we're seeing is huge box office numbers and huge admissions for Oppenheimer. This is a summer blockbuster and traditionally a a historical drama wouldn't generally come out in the middle of summer. And I think at the moment from its first five days, it's on track to be one of Christopher Nolan's biggest films in the UK, if not his biggest. And I think that's just a remarkable achievement and that's, um, and a large part of that is because of its association with Barbie. So no, I wouldn't feel sorry for them at all, and I'm sure they're reveling in it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I would tell Tom, you agree with that?
1: <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, I, I think Oppenheimer has really benefited from sort of being linked to Barbie in this way, and I think um, it it is a it is a beautiful film. And I well, I've, I haven't seen it, but I've heard amazing <laughs> things, and I think um, I think it is it is a hundred percent benefiting from this partnership, and um, and so I think they're probably loving it.
2: Yeah, I think they're both benefiting hugely from the partnership. Exactly, this
1: part, true,
2: completely.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that what's just so unique about the two of them is they both speak to something so universal. Like we all know the story of Oppenheimer, and it's something that you know affected and uh, humanity and that kind of the scientific development and then Barbie I I don't say this lightly she is a cultural icon like I wanted to play with Barbies growing up my mum never bought them for me my children love to play with Barbie so that's a property that spans generations so you have these two kind of universal properties but that are so there's a tension there they're so different one is about mass destruction one is just pure joy albeit with more serious undertones but I just think it's that's it's not just two big films It's two big films that are kind of have universal appeal and then are the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of like how they are delivered. Mm -hmm. So that's what just makes this such a unique moment.
0: And is is there something deeper going on here as well, perhaps in sort of wider social circles, you know, but maybe it's part of an ongoing post-COVID need to share experiences again?
3: You know, I thought about this a lot. And I I thought like if it was just post-COVID, I feel like other big films might have received attention. I, I, I do think that we are, we are coming out of this now. I do think it's just the fact that it's an original story, Barbie, you know, we've had all the Marvel extensions. We're like on fast and furious number 25 or something. By now this is something that it's, it's it's brand new in mm. terms of the story. And, you know, even against that backdrop of the writer's strike, I think mm. we were discussing, I just think it's, it's brand new, but then it's something that has massive nostalgic, um, undertones to it as well. So, I do think the excitement. If we can get enough um, great kind of stories being told in cinema, I do think this has been a really special moment for people going out, especially joint viewing. We have people going in droves to see these films together.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tom I are, are you sort of confident that this could sort of um, sort of prompt a bit of a, a revival? Because I mean, it, it's great to be sitting here talking about cinema. It's, it's kind of an unexpected treat, really, but. Mm these two films aside it's been quite an underwhelming summer hasn't it
1: yeah and i I think i think it's exactly what we were just sort of talking about i think it's the revival of original stories is this lovely piece and i think you know we're tired of the the seventh episode of of thor and all of those and i think this is a lovely new but again nostalgic piece of storytelling and i mean it also is the the this it's told beautifully. It's great, spectacular directors, amazing ensemble cast. I think it's lovely to sort of see these original stories with these names um, and and people that we are all look and love to to see the next things that they're they're bringing to the screen. So I, I think that I, my hope is that we will continue. This will encourage us to continue to see more original stories um, and not be so reliant on on sort of sequels, mm-hmm. because I think that's that's the most beautiful part of this.
2: Tom, you you were nodding there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the most exciting things about this whole moment that we're in at the moment is that both these films have been incredibly well received, you know, and these are two of the best filmmakers in the world making original stories and it seems to be their vision on screen. And I think the public have embraced that. And I think hopefully the studios will see from this that if you empower brilliant filmmakers uh, and give them the tools to put their stories on screen, the public want to see that. And uh, hopefully that's what we'll get from that and i think we've got some really exciting films still to come between now and the end of the year but what happened i mean you you, and mentioned there about about the writer
0: strike obviously there's an actor strike on as well i mean what what are the potential effects for that sort of going into the end of the year
1: i mean from my perspective i i think it's a it's a concern and it's a worry i think this is probably the the last big push that we will see from a from a press and and i think as much as we like to pretend it it doesn't sort of lead people to to drive and go see films. I think that there is a reality that promoting films mm-hmm. is an important part of this process. And I think when you lose the ability for celebrities and actors to go and talk about why they made the film and the things that they love about the film and, and in places like talk shows and and all of that, I think we are going to see that reflected in some of the uh, attendance numbers. So I think it is a worry and hope that the, we the hope is that the strikes will, Get, be clarified and, and and solved soon so that we can continue to promote films moving forward.
3: I agree. And I just think that it comes back to, I know um, I think that the press tours are in a very, very important part of promoting films, but like, going back to Barbie in particular, so much of the promotion that's been so successful hasn't been the stuff you pay for. Mm. You know, I feel like it's, if I hypothesize if you take the amount of money and effort they put into that wider marketing piece like partnerships and you just threw it all into just pure advertising, I don't think this would have been as big as it has been. So it's that power of owned and earned media and that's what you get from seeing the personalities on tour and with such a great cast not having that I think would have affected the lead-up and then the subsequent excitement that has been built up for these films. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah. I, I couldn't agree more I mean the, the Barbie is it's a master class in, in sort of promotion and I think you have everything from you know the film actors what they wear to the premieres and they did a global premiere in all of the major cities um, you then add that a, a massive soundtrack with people like Dua Lipa, Lizzo, you know, all of the big names of the of the year sort of releasing songs every couple of weeks. So it really is a masterclass in sort of keeping people, particularly in social media, completely attuned to what's coming next.
0: And I guess is is about the experience as much as anything else, isn't it? So you've got the the barbecue as it's, as it's now getting called, and and everyone's in there in their. <laughs> They're pink. this sitting here, and and, and uh, she's she's all, <laughs> she's all dressed up for the occasion as well, and, and I guess that becomes very kind of you know Instagrammable or, or, or whatever it is. So it's 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 an interesting way that kind of old media is tapping into sort of social in in, in an interesting way, isn't it? it this, this this does feel like quite a moment actually. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's a continuation of a moment from my perspective. I think we've sort of seen this happen particularly in like television over the past couple of years. You look at like White Lotus, which became an entirely water cooler moment where people were sort of talking about Mm -hmm. memeing different scenes that happened. The end of Succession this past past summer, that has been a huge moment where people were talking about what was happening in the final season and all of those things. So I, I think what's lovely is that we are starting to see you know, when people aren't in the office as much and aren't able to talk at water coolers, they're doing, they're still having those conversations. They're just doing it on social. Um, and I think it's further driving that conversation in a big way.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and i think this is a continuation of something that we saw last summer as well with the gentle minions movement where minions capitalized on the fact that a lot of y- young people on tiktok were i mean i didn't fully understand the movement because i'm well out of that demographic <laughs> but uh they're the universal and exhibitors were very happy to um uh, you know capitalize on that and it, it took a life of its own outside of the film's promotion and um i think studios are probably thinking very hard at the moment about how they can leverage that in for future films as well i was going to
0: ask you about that and particularly randy because you mentioned about how this is this is kind of a model potentially a a, a template how do we see things sort of because the fact is you know barbie 2 will probably come out and it won't yes. be quite such a big and then there'll be a barbie 7 or something um but how do you see it sort of developing with other newer newer franchises
3: I do think that we do need to think beyond like the tried and t- tested way we roll out films or entertainment properties. Cause I just think that there's so much more at um, a marketer's disposal. And also I think that there's so much competition for content mm-hmm. being released. Like we know, we know the playbook, the buses, you know, the trailers, the cut downs. So I think that people marketers really need to think about how they intercept culture. And I think Barbie's done it in like in the biggest Broadest way, I don't think every film might have the license to be as broad, but I think it's about talking thinking about who you're speaking to and then how to intersect them mm-hmm. in culture and I think that's what Barbie's done fantastically, so I just do think that marketers need to and it happens sometimes, but go beyond just the the reach and go for the notice and think about who it is that you're trying to speak to and how you can intersect culture because that's the stuff as opposed to trying to interrupt people intersecting cultures are things that people sit up and they look at. And as we've seen, then they'll take and run and do the promotion for you. So I think that's the real lesson here.
0: Yeah. Do you think um, potentially looking at a place where, you know, looking at the Oppenheimer side of, of, of the equation, um, I mean, someone like Martin Scorsese, you know, he, he puts the Irishman out on, on Netflix Looking at this now, what do you think well, there's life in the old dog yet? That maybe you know it it should have gone had a, had a proper cinematic release. That there, there could have been a lot of there could have been some 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 sort of social around it. There could have been a, a buzz created that way. Do you think it's it's not just the sort of the Barbies of this world, but it it could be the Oppenheimers just as much that are going to be taking advantage of all of this.
2: Well, it's worth mentioning, you've mentioned Martin Scorsese. His Obviously, his last film, The Irishman, was a Netflix title. He's making his next film, The Killers of the Flower Moon, with a streaming platform in Apple, but as part of his deal with that, he's insisting it gets a cinematic release. Mm. It's already premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May. It's coming out at the moment on October the 20th, and uh, he's partnered with Paramount on that, and Paramount have obviously had a great success over the last year with the films on the big screen including things like top gun maverick so i'm really excited to see what scorsese and um the paramount team produce when promoting this film because it's trailering with oppenheimer so everyone who's been to see oppenheimer will have hopefully seen the killers of the flower moon trailer and i think the trailer is really knockout as well it looks like one uh, if you've if you followed the Cannes premiere it's one of the best films of the year already and will probably be very heavily in
1: the oscars conversation come q1 next year
0: tom anything you wanted to add to that
1: oh no I, I mean i think tom hit it all i think it will i think they will continue to to push for um more you know theatrical releases because i think people do want to see things at the theater and they want the opportunity to do so
0: yeah thanks so much everybody and and really sort of fascinating chat um and uh yeah i'm gonna go and buy some popcorn now so i'm getting quite <laughs> into it. Um thank you so much thank you If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Pal and our producer, Aidan Lyons from Reefing Audio. And to you for listening, I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of all of the Campaign team, goodbye.